Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Are you there? Can you hear me? Can you see me? I'm here! Hello! Hi, Brian! Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I am, I am wonderful, and I want to talk much more about how we both are but yeah. the first thing that I have to do is get through an ad read and uh, I apologize this is always the awkward part make that uh, money I got to you know this week a very special 39 minute conversations announcement a partnership with the hilarious much more popular podcast how did this get made is it an official partnership no are they at all aware of this partnership or even this ad read not in the slightest. For those unfamiliar with How Did This Get Made, it's comedians Paul Shear, Jason Manzoukas, and June Diane Raphael celebrating and mercilessly making fun of terrible movies. And on December 3rd, How Did This Get Made is doing a live show in San Francisco where they will be covering a movie that your host, Brian T. Arnold, happens to be in. That's right. How Did This Get Made is covering the Christmas not-quite-classic 12 Pups of Christmas, in which I am a background actor. Do I have lines? No, not even one. Uh, I'm an extra, but I'm in there. You can see me. I'm all over that thing. So this holiday season, flip on Hulu and watch 12 Pups of Christmas. And then if you're in San Francisco, check out the live show. If not, tune in for the How Did This Get Made episode when it releases. Thank you, Paul, Jason, and June. I hope you go easy on the extras. And then we pause for just one second. And then welcome to 39 Minute Conversations. I'm your host, Brian T. Arnold. This is a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new ones but I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. My guest today is an actress and a singer. You know her from movies like The Walls Are Watching, Countdown, White Elephant, A Christmas Movie Christmas, and Four Rooms. From shows like Dark Web, Hawaii Five-0, The OA, and Shameless. As one of the hosts of the food documentary series, Family Style. And you've heard her voice in animated series like Kippo and the Age of the Wonder Beast, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Lion Guard, and as the Mistress of Flames in Transformers, Combiner Wars, and Titans Return. That's right, I'm talking to an actual Transformer today, Lana McKissick. Hello. Hi, Brian. Hi, Lana, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm so excited to see your face. It's been a while. It's been way too long. I am excited to see you as well. And what the first thing that I like to ask people, you know, this has been a very weird, crazy two, three years of existential terror and nightmares and, and loneliness and all those wonderful things. Yeah. Uh, how have you been coping and uh, what have you been doing to, you know, not lose your mind? Well, I think that you and I are a lot more similar than you think, because I see the things you post on Twitter about, you know, uh, hello, we're still in a pandemic and there's no one else realizing this. Yeah. Um, I, like you, have been very locked down for the most part. I'd say until very, very recently. Um, mm -hmm. I still have not had COVID. Oh my God, yes, yeah, not on um, everything. I, um... Uh, yeah, I, in the beginning, it was because I was scared about, you know, like I should be dying or infecting someone else or that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Then after, you know, getting vaccinated and it seeming like it was okay for a hot sec. And then like, I remember 
I took a trip to New York right before Delta hit. And I was like, oh my God, I can eat in restaurants. Like I hadn't done that. I, we were seeing Broadway shows, still masked and everything, but it felt yeah. like, you know, pretty safe. Then Delta hit and Omicron hit. And I was like, damn it. Uh, at that point, I just became concerned about losing work because I knew several people who had booked jobs, recurring roles on jobs, and then showed up to set, tested positive and got fired. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen to me. Um, because you know, we work too hard to lose a job in that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are way better ways to lose a job than that. Yeah. Like at least throw something or you know, <laughs> let that diva side out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. At least earn it. Right. Um, but yeah, so I've been very locked down and now I, you know, I've had the bivalent booster and, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm kind of in the boat where I'm like, if I have work coming up in the next couple weeks, then I'm like very locked down. Other than that, I've eased up a little, like I still wear my mask to the grocery store and that kind of thing. But, you know, I did go to a birthday party the other day and there oh. were 30 people there Yeah, was inside and I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. But I've also like, that was a week ago, I guess. And I, I've been testing myself every day just because I'm like, I don't, I mean, I, my family yeah. lives in LA, so I'm going to see them for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, oh, that would be really shitty if I had to cancel on that because of this. Anyway. I didn't know we were that similar about this. It's really nice to hear because I mostly feel like the crazy one because I do, I do wear a mask. I, I mean, I am, I don't go out very much at all. Like, I don't know, I a party with 30 people, I probably would not have been able to make myself go to, but it's very cool you did. Um, I, yeah, I wear a mask to the grocery store when I go or and don't Instacart. I'm yeah, I, I have stay. I, I'm starting to do a little bit more. I'm trying to like date safely and I'm going to a wedding at like a, a Gilbert's, right? Yeah, I'm going to Gilbert's I, wedding. Are you going? No, I I uh, listened to your episode with Gilbert and I was like, oh my God, you're going to Hawaii. That's I so am. Crazy. I'm going to Hawaii. Yeah, I'm very excited, very scared, uh, but it's something to do. And, uh, you know, it's something I've got to, people are telling me I need to get out more and I'm trying to listen to them it's it's just hard that's the place to do it though i i actually just came back from hawaii a week ago and it was it's gorgeous and like you know you're gonna be outside most of the time i would imagine since Mm -hmm. hawaii it would be a waste not to um and they seem to have it pretty well managed over there so that's a good place to have your coming out party if you will yeah and i've never been to hawaii so i'm i'm excited i'm excited to just to i haven't traveled that much i spent you know most of my life in, in West Virginia, my family aren't big travelers. Our big trip every year was to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is where my parents live now. Um, yeah, your my... dad's a realtor. I, I know all about it. He sounds like a great one. And if I ever need his services, I know who to call. You, oh my God, you would. I don't know if you'd love Myrtle Beach. I wanted to say you would, but I don't know if that's true. Um, great. It's a, it's fine. Uh, the, beach, I love it. the beach is great. Um, yeah, I've it's I, I've lost my train of thought but yeah going to Hawaii it's going to be it's going to be fun very scared very uh but yeah, I haven't traveled much that's what I was getting at the um I was supposed to go to France like in 2019 I told myself like oh I'm gonna start traveling finally I'm gonna like see the world a bit and I booked a ticket to Paris in uh that would have left March 2020 so uh, it's my my resolution died very quickly brutal yeah that's that's the worst timing it was the worst timing. This this all might be my fault if I hadn't tried to venture out and, yeah. you know. Well, it's like I say, if you want to book a job, book a vacation, 
But for you, it was like, if you want a pandemic, book a vacation. <laughs> I, I think know. that's true. <laughs> um, Lana, this yeah. is gonna be kind of a long-winded question and I apologize because I'm gonna talk way too long here, but I, I am curious about your thoughts about it. Um, when I was prepping for this episode, I was thinking a lot about you know, our friendship and how we met. We both worked on CBS Diversity Comedy Showcase 2016-2017. You were a performer, I was a lowly writer, and it was a pretty intense process putting that show up. It was, you know, months in a, in a, in a studio basement, uh, 20, 30 sketches a day. And it was this crazy bonding experience, I think, where a lot of us got really close, um, like, kind of like we were in the trenches together, you know? And when that kind of thing ends, it's this really weird feeling because all these really close friendships just kind of like fade a little bit. It's not anybody's fault. It's just, you know, you don't see each other every day anymore. And, you know, they say that LA, specifically this industry, is a tough place to make friends. But, you know, it feels more like it's a tough place to like keep friendships going. Mm -hmm. That, you know, friendships feel more project-based. It's like, you know, these short bursts of intense friendships that then you know, you, it then becomes an effort to stay in each other's lives. You have been in this industry most of your life. Is that something that you feel or have experienced or am I just uniquely bad at keeping up with people? No, 100% that's been the case for me too. Um, because I was born and raised here, I just don't know any differently, I think. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, anytime I've worked on anything, whether it be like a live show or like, you know, a film or TV project or anything, it's like you do get really close to the people you're working with most of the time, unless it's a terrible project where <laughs> it's each other. But I feel like that's actually pretty rare. Um, and yeah, it, it's like a, it's like the summer camp thing where you get so excited and you spend all that time together and then you don't see each other again for who knows how long. Um, mm -hmm. And it's always hard. It's hard for me. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty uh, sensitive person and I like, I'm not quick to be like, yeah, let's hang out. And then like ghost people, like that's not my style. But of course, like, yeah, people, like you said, fall out of touch. And, and it's hard when you feel maybe like you've connected with someone in particular and you're like, oh, we're going to be friends forever. And then fast forward a couple of years and you're like, how is that person? What are mm -hmm. you doing? Like, yeah, it just happens over and over. I think that's, uh, I think you're 100% right about that feeling. And that, that feeling like has messed with me, like, you know, as an adult person, you, you started this industry as a, as a child actor. Did, how, how did that, did you feel that as a kid? Was it like a weird to like, as a child to form these intense bonds and then watch them kind of go away? Yeah, I guess it depended on the project because as a child, a lot of the time I was actually with like my mom or with like a studio teacher, um, less time just like, you know, it wasn't like now where after, you know, we did showcase rehearsals, we would go out to the bar and get a drink every day. Yeah. This is like, I'd be at work, I'd be on set or doing my homework and then I'd go back home, um, you know, as a child. So that was like, you know, a little bit different, but yeah, absolutely. I think your feelings are more intense as a kid too. So mm -hmm. on the very special projects where it did feel like we all love each other so much and we're going to marry each other <laughs> still single at age 20. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you realize, oh, 
well, as soon as the school year starts or whatever the next project is, you kind of lose touch. Like, yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking every time. I'm not sure you ever get over that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you like being a child actor? You mentioned like school. Was it was it weird for you being in school with like people had seen you and stuff? People like knew you were an actress. Like I know you're in LA, so maybe there's a lot of actors that you're maybe seeing in school. But was that kind of how was that? Because like I feel like when you're a kid like things that make you stand out maybe can be, you know, things people pick on. Did that happen to you or is it like, no, this is pretty accepted? Yeah, I, I did not experience much in the way of bullying, I would say at all, luckily. Um, I think it's a lot more common here to, to at least dip your toe in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people I grew up with, maybe not most, a lot of people I grew up with at least like did commercials or did theater or something as a kid. And then most people kind of found something else. Um, And then, you know, some of us just stuck with it and can't Mm -hmm. let it go. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I think most people were just like, okay, you're doing stuff. Also, I wasn't in like a lot of commercially successful things. So I didn't, it wasn't like, you know, my nephew goes to school with a kid who is in like this huge blockbuster this year. And I'm like, I'm very interested to see like how that plays out. I'm like, are people nice to him? Or are they like, ew, you're, you know, you think you're better than us. Um, But for me, it was like, you know, my biggest credit as a kid was this movie Four Rooms, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I forget that Zoom's mirrored. Uh, And, you know, it was like a, movie that got some more like cult acclaim Mm -hmm. later but at the time like it bombed and also no one my age was allowed to see it I was 10 when it came out so yeah um yeah so it wasn't like I was famous and people were like oh look at her she thinks she's hot shit at all (laughs) you had other reasons that you thought you were hot shit like that was not that was not it yeah no it's because I could recite all of the presidents in under a minute can you still do that I can I kind of have 39 minutes. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) If this was a longer formatted podcast, I would have to ask. I'm very tempted already. (laughs) I, no joke, when I was in college, I used to get drunk and tell people that was my party trick and no one was impressed. Everybody was like, (laughs) why, why are you doing this? This is stupid. And I was like, but I can Anyway. I think it's cool. I know you were hanging out with the wrong people in college. I love that. I, I couldn't right. name all the presidents if you gave me an hour, probably. So that's yeah. very cool. Um, you brought up four rooms. Oh, sorry. No, go, yes. go ahead. No, I was like, I don't know if it's cool, but it's real. Cool is in the eye of the beholder, you know? Um, I've always said that. <laughs> what? You've always said that? I've always said that as I forget how to drink out of a water bottle. It happens. You got excited to talk again and you were still drinking. We all do it. Um, for people who haven't seen Four Rooms, um, I watched, I, I saw it as a teenager, I think. And then I saw it, I watched it again recently to when I, after I booked you. Uh, for people who haven't seen it, it's this very interestingly structured movie. Uh, basically four short films, four different writer directors. And he all feature Tim Roth as sort of the, as this manic cartoonish bellhop as sort of the, the connecting tissue between all of those um all of those short films and your short section the uh, the misbehaviors was directed by indie film icon robert rodriguez and mm-hmm. also featured antonio banderas and tamlin tamita 
and you were pretty much the lead of the segment it felt like you were driving everything and you said you were like 10 what was it like working on something that I mean it didn't do well at the time you said but it has become iconic it has become a bit of a cult classic what was it like working on something so with such talented movie star people so early in your life I think I was too young to understand what was happening, but it was amazing. It was the most fun shoot. Like everybody was so kind. And um, I think, you know, very protective of me because I was so young and Danny who played my little brother, like the mm -hmm. two of us, it was like, we just had the best time. It was so <laughs> fun. Um, I think we shot for like two or three weeks. Uh, and yeah, like, you know, at the time, Antonio Banderas had not, was not hugely famous here yet. He was in Spain. Right. He had done, here. he had done Desperado, I think. And, but this was like pre Mask of Zorro or El Mariachi. He'd done El Mariachi. Yeah. He'd done El Mariachi, but I, uh, I maybe not Desperado yet. Yeah. I don't think Desperado had, no, Desperado had not come out yet because actually, I don't know if you know this, but you know this, the stripper on TV that the kids are watching? I did see who that was. Yeah, that was Salma, oh, okay. that was Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek. Yeah. Yes, she wasn't famous yet either, obviously. Um, she just did that as a favor to him because I think they'd already shot, but they had, but yeah, hadn't come gotcha. out. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but so Antonio was always like sitting by himself at lunch, just eating. And like, I remember my mom at one point being like, we should go sit with him and talk to him. He's alone. And I was like, okay. So like... <laughs> But, you know, just, he's just the, was the sweetest person and, and Tamalyn as well. I saw her recently at actually the last time I saw you. Yeah. So, well, she was there. I didn't know. I, I didn't yeah. know she was there. Yeah. She, she did one of the, the readings, one of the scripts. Um, oh, man, I didn't realize I didn't connect the two things in my brain. Yeah. I was so, I was so focused on our reading that I just wasn't, I didn't pay that much attention. to. No, of course, of course you, you were. I'm an egomaniac. And if it's not my thing I'm not watching it <laughs> totally agreed yeah and since it wasn't my thing it was your thing I wasn't even paying attention that's fair you didn't have to you did a yeah. great job with like completely half-assing it I don't even know if I was there I can't <laughs> um no your script was awesome but uh that was the last time I saw her but I hadn't seen her in you know probably since we shot the movie wow did she recognize you or, or... I mean I, I was like hi Tim like it's Lana. I played your daughter. She was like, Lana. Um, so that was fun. And then Robert, like, you know, I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but like we've kept in touch and he, you know, he, when he was in LA would invite me to meet up with him for, you know, coffee and just, um, talk about what's going on. And, uh, he invited me to the premiere of, um, one of the machetes. I forget which one it was, but, like I hadn't seen him in a long time too, but he was, you know, very, still very protective of me and very sweet. And um, yeah, I have nothing but fond memories of like that entire experience. I mean, if I had known who the caliber of people I was working with, sure. I mean, Tim Roth too, like he's phenomenal and everything, but I just knew him as like this guy who did this crazy character and was like chain smoking between takes. Like that's all I knew of him at the time. And now I'm like, oh my God, I got to do scenes with, this incredible actor yeah. all of them were so iconic yeah it, it was it was honestly like it was such a great movie and I like I said I just rewatched it and it's the first time I've seen it since I've known you um as a as a human um first of all you were you're very good in it you're like a natural performer like right out of the gate 
And the second thing is it is really weird to watch your friend as a child uh, acting in something. How is it weird for you to look back on like things you did as a kid? Or do you look at those like I look at like home movies and bad school pictures? Or is it can you appreciate appreciate them? I mean, I don't think I've seen anything I did as a child recently, unless it's like, I have like a snippet of four rooms on my reel. So mm-hmm. just the cursing out portion <laughs> is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I have actually been going through a bunch of VHS tapes oh. from my parents old storage unit lately and mm-hmm. trying to like convert them. And that's all, that's not like professional stuff. That's all like school plays and like summer theater and that stuff definitely I'm like oh these (laughs) these children I guess you know I'm sure you can relate but like every time I did one of those shows we were like this is so good we're so good like this Mm -hmm. is the best show that's been done here ever and then you watch it later and you're like oh bless like (laughs) it's cute little kids but you know that's what it's supposed to be at the time so I think I can watch it without cringing too much but there are definitely things I definitely threw away and did not convert a couple of things that are highly embarrassing. And I'm like, thank God, you know, Instagram oh, wasn't around back then. I've got a clip of one of those if you just want to. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to being an actress, you're also a very talented singer, which of course I knew, but I didn't know until I was doing research for this episode that you were, you had a pop singing career in Japan when you were a teenager. How was, how was that? How was that like? How did that happen, first of all? And then what was that like? Um, how it happened, I, so I'm half Japanese. My mom mm-hmm. uh, is from Japan. And when I was a kid, I used to do a lot of um, activities with the Japanese American community in LA. So I would sing the national anthem all the time for, you know, Japanese Chamber of Commerce events and a lot of things. And there were a bunch of like karaoke competitions as well that my mom like always put me in and um so I was I think I performed at something and my mom sent a tape she saw in a Japanese American magazine that this manager in Japan was looking for American talent and so she sent a tape of me singing to that manager I didn't know any of this at the time. <laughs> okay. um, and then one day she's like you have a meeting with this manager from Japan I was like okay um, so I met with him and then I ended up signing with that company and then they took me to Japan and, um, they were basically like shopping me around to different record labels and they, they started with Sony and they're like, we're going to go down from there. And if they say no, we'll go to this one, this one, this one. Sony ended up signing me and I was 15 Mm-hmm. and um it was a whirlwind it was I'm very grateful for the experience it was one of the worst experiences of my life just oh, because sorry I brought it up no 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 like it's I'm not like traumatized from it or anything it's just that it was because I was so young and I was also still full-time in high school so I flew back and forth um I think it was like 17 times in oh, two wow. years of high school um and I you know so I would leave like on a Friday, I'd leave like a little bit early from school and I would go and I'd be there and I'd record. And then I'd come back like on Tuesday morning and go straight to school. And like, I would, I remember one of my teachers telling me after class, like, yeah, you fell asleep. Um, but I told the other students not to wake you up because I knew you needed it. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) 
so kind, but also like, what's happening? Like that's normally they'd be like, get up, like <laughs> attention. But they were like, you looked like you are about to die. Um, but you know, it was, it was a struggle just in terms of being that young and being alone. Like my, the laws are different there. So my parents were with me to sign the contract. Then they never had to come with me again. Mm. Um, after that. So I think my mom maybe came with me a couple other times, but other than that, I was by myself in a country whose language I didn't speak fluently. Like I spoke a little bit, but not really. Like I would memorize all of my Japanese lyrics mm -hmm. I wrote. Um, and so, you know, it was tough. I like struggled with like some eating disorder stuff mm -hmm. and just like, loneliness and just like not knowing what was happening and it was also not really my dream like I just kind of was like a go with the flow kid like, I'm like okay I'm auditioning for things and I loved being on set I loved acting and the singing was more something I loved to do privately but I didn't really necessarily love the performance aspect of it which maybe is weird but um so yeah it was just it was tough but I'm glad I did it, it made me stronger it's a cool thing that is in my past, but it was so long ago that honestly, it doesn't feel like it was even my life. Like it feels like yeah. I can't even remember like most of it. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I locked it out or what, but yeah, that's a very long story to the question. No, no, it was a great, it was a great story. It's very interesting. I've heard none of this. I'm sorry that it was so tough. I didn't realize that. Um, uh, but... I mean, look, people have suffered through a lot worse. It was just a hard age to do anything, I think. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very true. And that, is something that I think is interesting about maybe being a, a child actor and a child and then teenage pop stars, just that it's such a weird age for everybody. And to do that in the public eye, to be like, you know, having your awkward years or your, you know, in front of other people has to be like, just make them 10 times harder. Uh, yeah. So that's one of the tapes that I mentioned that I threw away was I was on Japanese TV during this interview and I had the craziest haircut. I had braces I had green contacts I was quite chubby and I was like talking about how I wanted to be the next Mariah Carey <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I watched it and I just was like I I just want to hug this little girl I just want to tell her oh. because what I know is that then like that whole time like I you know it was those were definitely my awkward years I mean Physically, I think I'm still in my awkward years in every other respect, but like, <laughs> I, I just like, I didn't, I felt so out of touch with my body and who I was. And, you know, I, I would constantly be told like, you have to lose weight, you have to lose weight. Mm. Then they would take me to these like very expensive meals and like, you know, feed me course after course and then be like, but you really have to lose weight. And I was so confused and sad and like, lonely yeah. and you know I would like I started taking these diet pills oh my and God. I would lose like a lot of weight like drastically and the my costume designer like every time she would be like sewing stuff she'd be like wow you look great like this is wonderful mm. like well, she didn't know she wasn't trying to like encourage anything no about. sure but you know like <laughs> looking back I'm like god all of it was so problematic like I really I never achieved the level of success of like you know the the Britney Spears's or the all these people whose lives I feel like now we're looking at and going, man, it's so hard for them. Mm -hmm. Even at the level I was at, like, I really, I, I feel their pain. Like it's yeah. tough. And that's without the, that kind of fame added to it. It's just. 
Yeah. I'm glad you got out of that as a, you know, you're such a bubbly, happy, fun person who I love being around. And this, you know, all this stuff sounds hard and you managed to overcome it, stay grounded. Like what did you like? There is a stereotype, I guess, of of child actors, child performers uh, of, you know, troubled later in life. Um, You did you have any of those moments of like, I'm going to go crazy or um, it's probably an unfair stereotype. But yeah, did you have those moments of of that or did what do you credit with keeping you uh, grounded as a human? I mean, not really. Like I never went and, you know, started doing coke or anything like that. I um, I think probably my parents were very strict. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wasn't allowed to, I wouldn't have been allowed to continue doing any of it if I didn't keep my grades up. That was mm-hmm. number one. My dad was very like, you know, I know you love to do this and I want you to do it, but if your grades suffer, like you stop that day. And I'm like, okay. So that's a good motivator. Cause I think it's hard to be like partying and going down the wrong path. If you also still have to be up for your AP class at six or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, and then also, I don't know, I'm kind of a rule follower by nature. Like there is a rebellious streak in me that like, I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, (laughs) but I still like, I don't like to be in trouble and I don't like to like not complete things I say I'm going to complete. So I don't know. I I think it's a combination of that. Just guilt, massive guilt and feeling like (laughs) I have to, I have to show up. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to do it no matter what. So I can't, I can't get too crazy. Guilt is powerful. I was raised Catholic. Guilt keeps you in line. It's what you, (laughs) it's what you need. We only have 10 minutes left. This has gone by so fast. I have like so many questions that we're not going to get to. Um, but let's, do you have let's more ad reads? what about your sponsors oh don't worry we'll get we, we, oh, i'm gonna get through one more oh, okay 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 don't you worry about it um yeah, I want you to lose money <laughs> thank you um you worked in a lot of cartoons and video games and narrative podcasts you're a transformer you're you're moaning myrtle and harry potter magic awakened from the outside talking to actors that i that i know voice acting feels almost more competitive and harder to break into in some ways than than on camera how did you find you were good at that and how did you get into it it's so much harder than on camera um yeah I think it's because you know if you're on camera you're really only able to do one project at a time but if you're a voice actor you could have five or six sessions in a day I mean that's probably unrealistic unless you're you know, one of the yeah. top Tress people, McNeil but, or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But you could time-wise it's possible. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it's like, and a lot of people work with the same people understandably. Um, cause you know, the sessions are fast. Like my last Harry Potter session was like six minutes. Seriously. The last two, I think were like under 10 minutes and you're just like, okay, it feels like a trick. Cause I just did this cool thing and I'm done. And I, just parked, but okay. Um, so I, the, how I got into it was my uh, commercial agent at the time had just, I just opened up their voiceover department or they got a new voiceover agent. Um, but I sent, you know, just some auditions in and they were like, yeah, we'll rep you. And I said, okay, thank you. It was like five or six years before I booked a single job. Jeez. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. And uh, yeah. you would think at a certain point, like, just give up. But I'm glad, very glad I didn't. But I, you know, I don't know. It's just a lot of luck and a lot of 
perseverance, I guess, because those auditions, I mean, still I have like tons and tons of them every day. And like, you know, even if I feel like I'm working a good amount, it's like compared to how much I'm auditioning. Yeah. Not a great ratio, but I'm, you know, considered like I'm working. So it's, yeah, that's just how it is. It's, it's very hard to break into. And I think you get better. You learn what works for you. I've learned recently to stop like doing things that I'm just not right for auditioning for things. I'm not right for Cause I'm mm. like blowing my voice out doing these monster voices. And I'm like, nobody's going to cast me as a monster. Like like just because I maybe could kind of do it on this one audition, like could I sustainably do it for four hours? No. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably a good, probably a good rule for you. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to some of your on camera on on camera work. Um, mm -hmm. Your career. I, I watched a couple of your movies for this. I wanted to get a kind of bookend for you. I watched Four Rooms. I watched a Christmas movie, Christmas. I wanted to get kind of both ends of of your life to this point, and also your genres because you do bounce a lot between comedy, which is how I know you, these light, fun Christmas and comedies, and you also do a lot of darker horror thriller type things what is your favorite genre to, to play in between those two? Oh man I don't know I really truly love both I at heart I'm I am Eve Bell from A Christmas Movie Christmas I'm, I'm like hopeless optimist I always think everything's gonna work out all right even mm -hmm. when it did feel like a role design for you. Like it was like, I was very happy. Like, oh my God, this is just Lana. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it felt like me. Actually, usually I get cast in the other role, the Lacey role, like the sarcastic mm -hmm. side, you know, like best friend character or sister character. Um, so yeah, it was fun to get to play this because it was so close to who I am. And there was a reference to, I think it's called the 12 Cats of Christmas. I caught that. Was, yeah, that was an homage to your movie. So there we go. That was weird. That was yeah. weird. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but that whole movie was written with love, even though it makes fun of all those movies. It still is one of those movies. Yeah. Which I liked. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I also love, I have been doing a lot of like horror thriller type stuff. And that's just so fun too. Because that's what I like to watch. Mm. Actually, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I don't watch a lot of comedies I watch a lot of horror thriller anything that gets my heart rate up that's what I enjoy in my free time hmm. um, I think a lot of comedians feel that way like a lot of I think at a certain point it's just like I see the jokes coming or like I've just I surround myself with comedy all the time that like I just want to get away from it and yeah yeah I guess that's yeah I don't I mean my perfect scenario is watching like a Jason Statham movie while I'm just like laying on the couch and not thinking about anything else I just love those like ass kicking things exploding like that's my ideal <laughs> thing to watch I've never been in a movie like that that would be not, fun. not yet not yet not yeah. yet um is there so that's if that was a is that the genre or role that you most want to play is like an ass kicker or in an ass kicking movie I mean, maybe just because I have never done it. I feel yeah. like it would just be fun to try it. I mean, I my dream is to be in like some kind of adventure movie where there's just a lot of stunts and like, God, I, I like I said, I'm a total adrenaline junkie. I love mm -hmm. skydiving and like, the, I would just love to do something thrilling like that. I know, of course, in real life, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of uncomfortable harness work. Sure. But I'd be happy to suffer through that if I still got to like be on a jet ski or something. 
<laughs> this is what at the beginning of this podcast it felt like we had a lot in common and then when you brought up skydiving and jet skiing I realized a little less a little <laughs> well, less well I've never but... done jet skiing but I want to I have that it does look fun um but I will happily watch my friends do it from yeah. from a, a window sure. uh, <laughs> um we have about a little less than four minutes left so at this time I yeah. want to give you the opportunity to promote anything that you want to promote, plug your social medias, anything along those lines. Um, well, the two projects I've been working on for the last couple of years are um, voiceover projects that I can't say anything about. So <laughs> I have nothing to promote of new things, but uh, a Christmas movie Christmas is out again on Christmas platforms. I think it's. <laughs> I think I. I think I watched it on Hulu, so it's out on Hulu for sure. I think it's also on Amazon, and it's probably playing on um, up TV and maybe the Hallmark Movie Network. Well, this is very helpful. I have no. <laughs> right, it's, it's, search for it. It's worth it. It's very cute. It's very fun. I really enjoyed it, and Lana's great at it. Thank you for watching it. I of course. Um, I loved making that. It was super fun. Um, and yeah, I've been a couple other Christmas movies that maybe you'll see if you've watched a lot of Christmas movies. That's that's really it for now as far as that goes. And social media, I'm at Lana McKissick on all social media platforms. Oh, fancy. You got the branding down. Yeah. So with our remaining time, about two and a half minutes, um, you know, I want to get to know you on an even deeper level. But first I do have one more ad read to, to get through. 39 Minute Conversations is not officially sponsored by Simply Face, what, Simply Safe. I, this is why I'm not going to get ads. 39 Minute Conversations is not officially sponsored by Simply Safe, but let's be honest, shouldn't it be? What better spokesperson for a home security system than a shut-in growing increasingly paranoid by the day? Someone ever vigilant about fires, home invasions, and potentially novel virus-carrying passersby. When someone comes anywhere near my door, I want to know about it. Simply Safe, you already sponsor every other podcast. Why not mine? Visit simplysafe.com and tell them, please give 39 minute conversations some money. Lana? Yes. If you weren't an actress and singer, if your life went a different way, what yeah. career do you think you'd be doing? Um, I think I'd be something to do with literature I love to read so I don't know if that means oh, I hate writing this so that's <laughs> I guess I wouldn't be a writer um but maybe like a novelist uh it is writing though it is I mean I don't <laughs> like writing like scripts and things I sure. God, it makes me so stressed you're so good at it so you must like it. um you are you're, you're amazing um oh my god this yeah, is what so I wanted yeah well, you didn't mention that when we did showcase, you had like the most scripts in our final uh, show. Didn't you? I mean, I, I had, I don't think I had the most. I think I had two. I mean, they were both, they're all, they're both co-writes, but um, yeah, we had, I had a couple of sketches in there. Yeah. Well, you always had sketches in, they were, you banked a lot of sketches. And That's then, true. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, you kicked out. Well, thank you. what would you be? What would I be? Um, I majored in broadcast journalism. I worked in news briefly. I'd probably still be I doing didn't that. Know that. Mm -hmm. I was a morning ah. producer. I was a morning producer for an NBC affiliate in Bluefield, West Virginia. Yeah. <gasps> That's so cool. Is it? I didn't know it. It is. It okay. actually was listening to a podcast about journalism today. Oh, um, wow. we have all yeah. these weird connections we have. 
flightless bird. I don't know if you listened to it, but they were talking about your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay too. Thank you and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.